And the Oscar goes to... Welcome to Blessed Picture, a podcast where we explore underrated or off-the-wall movies we think are totally blessed. I'm your host, Shelby Mooring. And I'm your other host, Sky Payne. And this week, we are kicking off my birthday month movie musical extravaganza. Shelby can introduce the movie. The movie that on December 25th, 2009, said this holiday, be Italian. (laughs) A fucking great We're talking tagline. about the movie that I have long dreaded doing. And this podcast has not even been going for a year, but I've been dreading it. <laughs> the movie Nine, directed by Rob Marshall. And this week, we are joined by somebody who, though we look nothing alike, somebody we worked with thought we were the other person every time he saw us, because apparently we are impossible to tell apart. <laughs> Emily Johnson. Wow, thank you so much. <laughs> so happy to be here. <laughs> wow. I don't know which one of you is which, but I know that Sky. <laughs> nope. <laughs> oh my god. Good try, it was it was very <laughs> funny. Okay. Well, Sky, when we were um talking about doing this. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what the exact conversation is, but I think I finally relented and was like, fine, we'll do nine. Okay. Cause you, you had brought it up. We're going to do it at some point. And yes. I was like, no, we're not doing it. No, we're not doing it. Maybe like 500 episodes from now. Yeah. But we're doing it. We're doing nine. Um, for context, I saw this movie, not the day it came out because we were never one of those families that saw movies in theaters. On Christmas. But I saw this movie not long after release. I was dazzled by the trailer because I was, oh God, I must have been, oh my God, I would have been in middle school when this movie came out. You were a baby. Yeah, I, um. Baby. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I would have been in my eighth grade year when this movie came out specifically. But I remember seeing the trailer in theaters. And I remember hearing Fergie sing, be Italian. And I thought to myself, yes, I will be Italian. And I marched my ass to that theater with my grandma, who is Daniel Day-Lewis's number one stan. And we sat through that movie. And um, I think the response after was, yeah, that was a movie. I don't. (laughs) I, I saw this movie on Christmas with my mother um had a great fucking time i was like wow a fun adaptation let's go i had a blast ever since i've rewatched it i rewatched this movie maybe like once every other year except i rewatched it last year so i guess now i'm rewatching it once a year oh i'm like God. <laughs> this movie slaps it slaps i know that people think it doesn't but i think you need to revisit it with an open mind just like shelby told me to revisit the artist and I I, by the way i looked at your letterbox activity and saw that you added the artist you watched <laughs> i am I nothing like, wow, she's it's not honest i'm going to watch it for you <laughs> 
I guess I can't. Yeah, I guess I can't clown too hard because I'm over here like, yeah, this this movie that won Best Picture is. Emily, yeah, did you middling. see Nine in theaters or did you watch it later? I watched it later. I feel like what year was it again? Two thousand nine. Coincidentally. Yeah, I also I there's like an I, animated movie. The movie Nine, the number Nine, with like the numeral. What were they? They were like the burlap sack looking <laughs> creatures. Yeah. So 2009. Nine yeah, I, I did not see it in theaters, but I remember like just being like a nerdy theater kid and being like, oh my gosh, Nine the Musical's coming out. And then just didn't go see it. I don't know why. Um, probably because I was in college and really poor or something, but I didn't watch yeah. it until actually like five years ago or something. And wow. was like, wait, this movie's incredible. It's a good adaptation. I was sleeping on it for way too long because my mind was blown. I was changed for good after watching this movie. So This is wild. I am learning so much today. But apparently you weren't the only one who didn't see it in theaters because this movie... This movie, first of all, the day that it opened wide, because it did have a small run, I think about, yeah. like, it had like been out for a week in small, you know, doing a small run um, mm-hmm. all over the country. It was number seven at the box office. And I'll read you the top seven from that specific opening day. So number one, same day opening, Sherlock Holmes, Robert Downey Jr., Jude Law, Guy Ritchie. Number two, we have Avatar, which at this point had only been in theaters for eight days. They really they got screwed by Avatar. Oh, it gets worse. Then in number three, we have the Squeakwool, which had been in theaters for three days. Uh, Then we have It's Complicated, which also opened on the same day. And this is where it starts to get really sad. Then we have Up in the Air, which had been in theaters for 22 days. That's so disrespectful. And number six, you're never going to believe this. <laughs> you're never going to believe this. The Blind Side, which had been open for 36 days. Oh, no. That's so depressing. <laughs> That's so depressing. Wow. Because, you know, Nine is a very good adaptation of a move like into a movie musical because you have shit like Sweeney Todd and into the woods that like just does not work translated to screen. And this like works translated to screen. Yeah. A few things I would change, but like overall, I think it slaps my theory on why it doesn't work. But before I say that, I will say really quickly, it made only 19 million domestically. <laughs> Yeah, it's really bad. $54 million worldwide with a budget of $80 million. 80. That's bad. That is really, really Oof. bad. I That's think that terrible. I should have seen this in theaters a few more. Yeah, I think this is like misunderstood. I think that it's going to have a renaissance. I'm feeling bad. Like I didn't give them any of my coin. I watched it on a DVD five years ago. It's all your friends. Right now, that's how I watched it. So they're not getting my money. Yeah, same actually. Yeah, I watched on YouTube as well. Yeah, but before we delve further into nine, we do have to talk about our blessed movies of the week. Sky, Mm -hmm. would you like to go first because it is technically your birthday month? Yes, I will go first. Um, I haven't watched a whole ton of things. Because we just finished doing all the Oscar stuff. 
Um, Peek behind the curtain. Yeah. My <laughs> friend made me yesterday watch this movie called Jumper with Hayden Christensen, Rachel Bilson, and Jamie Bell, which is not my blessed movie of the week. because <laughs> It's wild you mentioned that because I follow this one woman on Twitter. Um, she also tweeted about Jumper yesterday. <laughs> I was like, and then I saw it on your letterbox, and I was like, what is going on? Does she know her? No. Um, But I, this morning I watched um, Sunday in New York, which is like a Jane Fonda movie. And um, she, it's kind of fun. It's like, just like a little rom-com. And it was like very light and like, so um, it's Jane Fonda, Rod Taylor, and Cliff Robertson. Um, and she like comes to New York, visits her brother, who's an airplane pilot. And like, she's like very concerned that she's the only 22 year old virgin left in the world. So it's very, it's a very strange premise, but like, it ends up being like a cute, fun rom-com with like mistaken identity and like just fun times. And it was a nice light watch after all of the Oscar stuff. Yeah, that's fair. Emily, do you have a blessed movie of the week? Um, I do. I haven't watched a ton of movies lately, but um, I watched this fun little documentary, The Orange Years, um, the Nickelodeon story, and it was oh, yes. very, very cute and nostalgic. It's just about like why Nickelodeon was like created and how they just wanted it to really be different from like the very like educational like children's programming that existed prior like which was really the only thing for kids that existed prior to Nickelodeon and I just kind of threw it on because sometimes I just need something to kind of have in the background and I like found myself like totally like engrossed in it I was like um just like remembering all these shows and like they just like just all these fun things like they were just talking about how like Coolio would like hang out at the all that set and like the kids weren't supposed to be around him because he was like smoking weed on set like in his own little corner and just like just like little like all these all these Nickelodeon stars like came on and talked about just their experiences and stuff and it sounded like like overall it was like a pretty positive like company to work for and they really like just wanted to to put some stuff out there for kids so it was really fun so yeah that is my movie this week it was very cute What's stri- is that on a streaming service? It's yeah, I think Hulu, it was on right? Hulu. Um, yeah, I yeah, saw so. it when I was watching Cool Bodice Aida. That makes yeah, sense. Okay, was very fun. Good to know. Um, my blessed movie of the week. I like Sky. Am trying to detox from watching a bajillion movies <laughs> in a short amount of time. Um, I the only things I've really watched since then. Um, were I've watched two John Cassavetes movies now because now I'm like I'm just gonna go through his filmography I'm gonna do it all but I'm not gonna talk about those because like they're good but I think there's better stuff on the horizon now because his first three movies it's like he has his his big you know independent you know like breakout moment kind of a thing it's like his first independent film and his first film in general that completely changes everything and then he does two studio films and then he like gets back into being an indie king but we'll get there um but other than that i also watched the heartbreak kid once again blank check at the time of recording is doing their elaine may series 
And I, of course, naturally was very excited about this one because I'd heard about it for so long and I, you know, and I would get so close to wanting to watch it, but then either could not find it or was like, oh, well, they're going to be doing it soon. So I'll just hold off. Right. Um, but yeah, it's on YouTube right now because it's one of the few movies that is owned by a pharmaceutical company for some It's wild. Um, how? How? It yeah. Bristol Myers Squibb, if you're listening, you're on my shit list. Release the fucking Heartbreak Kid. Um, it's incredible. Jeannie Berlin is in it. You know, Elaine May's daughter, Sid Peach, you know, the Peach uh, from Se- Succession. Charles Grodin. Charles Grodin. Sybil S- Shepard, icon, legend, you know. Being hot as fuck. Being gorgeous, yeah. right? Yes. Um, Charles Grodin's character, no joke, deserves the fucking Hague in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um if Jeannie Berlin's character would have murdered him, she would have been justified. Um, no jury would convict. Basically, it's just Charles Grodin getting married to Jeannie Berlin after a whirlwind romance. They go on their honeymoon in Miami. And then he sees Sybil Shepard, who is like a young college student. She's like 20-something. She's like 20 or 21 at the time. Um, yeah. Very young. And she's there with her family. She's just like from a rich, you know, waspy family. And he's like ready to fucking risk it all after being married for what, like five days or something? Um, yeah. Yeah. Same. And the thing about Elaine May is that her movies are often about men who fucking suck. Um, but she's able to make it entertaining. And like you're saying, I hate this man so much, but this movie is so good, like while you're watching it the entire time. So I highly recommend it. Like I said, it's on YouTube. So <laughs> it's there. Yes. And the quality isn't incredible, but it's so great. Don't watch the Ben Stiller one. Fuck that movie. We don't we don't acknowledge it. No. Absolutely not. I I co-sign. I co-sign. Very good. Um, so this movie, directed by Rob Marshall, famously, he directed Chicago, Best Picture winner, another very good musical adaptation. And the things that work best in this movie are the things that he learned from Chicago. I That's will give I him that. Say. Yes, I agree Absolutely. with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, like, the visuals in this movie are unimpeachable. Like, entirely unimpeachable. Yeah, it looks like Chicago in that sense. It looks really great. He has a great eye. He has a great team behind him, clearly, in this movie and in that one. Um, the costumes are incredible. I mean, Colleen fucking Atwood, of course, delivered. Yeah. Um, and it got nominations for art direction, costume design, and then best original song and supporting yes. actress. Um, and the, like, lighting is amazing. The choreography is great. Um, I even, I love the set, like, that they dance on. That's really great. I love that it changes depending on the song. Um, really smart stuff there. That is really excellent. I just wish the rest of the movie kind of met that. That's my biggest thing. Um, I think, like, just gonna dive into it here. I think the biggest problem is that because it is doing Fellini, which I know that's like the thing of the musical and that's yeah. not this, you know, it's, it's not Rob Marshall's fault, but because it's doing Fellini, which is this filmmaker that is, you know, like has inspired so many others and is so incredibly innovative and um, just like, it, you know, one of the OGs kind of, you know what I mean? Like he really yes. changed cinema, right? There's so many other movies that have done takes on Fellini and eight and a half in, in particular. Um, so many filmmakers cite him as like their big inspiration, right? From, you know, like Marty Scorsese to Bob Fosse. Um, and then the problem with this is that it's one, aping, aping the story, aping the aesthetics kind of, you know, doing all that. But it's not as intellectual as it wants to be. Like, 
in the way that like yeah. a Fellini movie kind of is. And then not only that, it's like it's being then compared to all of the the homages to Fellini. So then it's like this like which double barrel I think problem. is like a I think it's that's a general problem with the musical in general. Yeah. Because also, like, Fellini was like, I don't care what you do, just don't call it eight and a half, which is... And don't put my name Curious. in it. That's why he's called Gugno no, in yeah. this movie. Yes. So he is not Fellini. Um, and I watched Eight and a Half for the first time last week because I had never seen it before. And I was like, okay, I can see where Nine is going and I can see where they made it. Like, they... The stage show, especially with Call from the, Va- like, from the Vatican and all that, is like way more campy. And I think that this movie didn't... If it was a little more campy, I think it would have worked. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the other issue, too. I really agree. I think if it would have leaned into being a dumb musical, I think it would have really worked a lot better. Yeah. Or if it had been... Like, obviously, this is just me spitballing, but like if Rob Marshall had decided to do like an entirely different movie. I like let's take the musical adaptation part out of it, but like if this movie in particular yeah. did the eight and a half thing, like all that jazz, but was about something entirely different yeah. and was just largely inspired by the idea of eight and a half. You know what I mean? But wasn't like this is literally supposed to be Fellini yes. wink wink, you know? Like that's I think the biggest yeah. problem. I think so. But I I still think that it works. And I think that Penelope Cruz's nomination is very well deserving. Um, For sure. Call from the Vatican. Just iconic. I would. And like, okay, so Marion, Marion Cotillard did not get a nomination for this movie. And I mean, this was a big year because this was, of course, the Avatar Hurt Locker year, as we've already mentioned. Big year. Um, And like, this was the year that Monique won for Best Supporting. Um, and this is the year that Sandra won for The Blind Side. Now, Harvey, because we do have to mention Harvey Weinstein, unfortunately, because as soon as you turn on this movie, you get about three seconds yeah. in and it immediately says The Weinstein Company. Yikes, a really, like, right? Um, so you're like, wow, you really had to fuck up a lot of things. Yeah. You really. By being a horrible piece of shit, right? Um, yeah. Because, like, the whole thing is that, like, in 2007, they announced that he was going to direct this movie um, for the Weinstein Company. They did Chicago together as well um, while they were still at Miramax. Um, and then when it came time to campaign, Harvey, as he does, makes some choices um, and proceeded to campaign Penelope in supporting and campaigned Marion in lead because he was like i don't want them to cancel each other out yeah which i mean a fair assumption but i it, but like she's not lead to begin with so you're committing category no, fraud she's barely in it she is barely in this movie <laughs> she is like she gets the most screen time out of all the women but like i get the most forgettable she... of all the women yeah for sure <laughs> yes Okay, hundred percent. I that love is, her, but that's Kate Hudson. Sure. No, I think that Kate Hudson, Kate Hudson is, is actually the most memorable. important part of the movie to me. But we will get there later. Cinema Italiano, <laughs> Cinema Italiano lives rent free in my brain. Nothing that Marion Cotillard <laughs> does in this lives rent free in my brain. Like Kate Hudson shaking her ass. But regardless, I think it, he could have campaigned both in supporting. And one of them would have gotten in regardless. I do think she deserved attention. Like 
because I think like Penelope's incredible in this. Like she's very fun. So good. Like I love what she's doing, but Marion in particular was giving a very restrained performance, yeah. which I really liked. And I was really shocked at how good like she actually was. I was like, do I yeah. like am I remembering this correctly? Or is she like actually good in this movie? And I was like, oh yeah, no, she's actually no, good. The performances for the most part are very good. Yeah. I agree. I I I think that Daniel Day Lewis is actually good. Um, as far as like men who can't sing who are in musicals go, I I would rank him above both Russell Crowe and Pierce Brosnan. Absolutely, yeah. But congrats, he still <laughs> sounds like Count Chocula when he's singing, and it's a problem. <laughs> I literally Count was like, Chocula. who does he sound like? Oh, Count Chocula. Yeah, that's. So if he was like you know, really putting in this time and effort to go method to play Count Chocula, he really succeeded. But unfortunately, he's playing Fellini, so it doesn't work as well. I, part of me wonders, like, if he was trying to play Fellini, because I don't think that he, like, it didn't work. Maybe he didn't know that's who he was yeah. playing. I th- I think the thing is, is he probably was like, I don't want it to be because he's an actor. He's an artist, you know, because he's I'll even I'll even read off some of the ridiculous things that were happening. (laughs) But like, I think for him, it would have been like, oh, I'm playing like I'm playing like a take on Fellini. But like, I don't want to directly play Fellini because that's not interesting to me. I'm an artist. I'm going to interpret this character through my own specific lens. And his interpretation is chocolate. Yeah. Yeah, he like, and he goes. I, he has like a Sasha Baron Cohen problem. He has the SBC problem. It's like the accent wow, yeah. gets in the way of yes. the singing and emoting properly. Which, because here's the thing, we can talk all day about like you know how good of an actor somebody is, but singing and emoting at the same time is something that is incredibly hard. And even people who regularly like sing are constantly like beaten down with you need to add emotion to this you need to you know infuse your own meaning to it blah 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 especially when they're singing songs that they're not writing themselves like like american idol is a classic example you have these incredible vocalists who you're laughing but it's true who are like can absolutely just every single note they can do everything but when it comes to being very emotional and conveying the meaning of the song with their voice it gets lost something. and that's there's something missing and that is the issue it sounds like exactly something that my mother like has said <laughs> to me like she says that's exactly <laughs> but it's true janet is correct <laughs> she's so funny to me i i do want to read um this line from the wikipedia which oh, no. i was like yeah this sums up why i love this is movie why why is this a bad thing reading? i bet it is Go ahead. It says the critical consensus is it has a game, a great looking cast led by the always worthwhile Daniel Day Lewis, but Rob Marshall's nine is chaotic and curiously distant. And I'm like, yeah. And. <laughs> and. Yes, and. What's the point? That wasn't what I was going to read, but I did read that and I thought, yeah, that makes sense. I understand why people are saying yeah. this. But I'm not going to lie because I read that before I started watching the movie. So I was like, oh, this is. Like, this will be interesting to rewatch. And then I was like, oh, it's not, like, as chaotic as I actually expected. This is, like, no, pretty tame in comparison to my expectations. I think, like, the most chaotic moments are, like, 
when he is at the resort and everyone comes in and like is being crazy. And I think that that's what people think is chaos. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that might be it. Interesting. Um, no, what I was going to read from the page was. <laughs> you're not, pre- I'm sure you're not prepared for this. Um, in 2008, a short teaser. Oh, you already know you're laughing. A short teaser for the film was featured in an episode of the Food Network show Barefoot Contessa with the host Ina Garten making breakfast and lunch for her friends, producers John DeLuca and Rob Marshall as they edited their new film. At the end, being a preview in er, quotation marks uh, for of the film for the host to see in appreciation. Um, that was wild. It also gets worse because in December 2009, the film contracted the soap operas One Life to Live and General Hospital for advertising purposes. The former featured two of the characters watching one of the film's trailers on the internet on a YouTube-esque website, and there were subtle setting alterations performed for the latter, including movie posters on the walls of various public places. That is embarrassing. That is embarrassing. For a movie with Daniel Day fucking Lewis, Penelope Judy Cruz, Judy right. Dench, Nicole, Nicole Kidman, Marion Cotillard, and you had to go to that level? That is sickening to me. And you still came in seventh in the box office. Did people just like not like movie musicals by this point? I truly just think it's that this movie is so specific that like yeah. it's because I even I even wrote down a line from Roger Ebert's review that I think sums up everything perfectly that asks the same question my problem may be that i know fellini's eight and a half too well your problem may be that you don't know it well enough both of us may be asking who exactly was nine made for and i think that is it because you're taking eight and a half and fellini which is i you know not to get into high culture low culture but is definitely seen as like a high culture you know film stop yeah. kind of a thing and then why did i just almost say cinemark <laughs> Criterion Channel. It's Criterion Channel. Yeah. It's like in their essential art house section, right? Yeah. On on the channel. Ooh, we should call it the channel going forward. I feel like it's the channel. channel. That's mark it down, baby. That's canon. But okay, so it's on Criterion Channel. It's like high culture, whatever. Okay. Then you have a musical, which traditionally, you know, I would say, you know, used to be like a big staple in films. You know, it was like you had your big historical epics, you had um, your like smaller like dramas, your screwball comedies, and then you had like musicals, which were big productions, very colorful, all of that, right? So it's been a very accessible genre for so long. So then you're taking something like Nine, which is a very niche musical, and not like as well known as Chicago, not as well known as Phantom of the Opera, not as well known as Hairspray, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then you're like, and then you have the Fellini of it all on top of that. And then you're making it a musical and you're releasing it at Christmas and you're trying for this big Oscar push. And even though you have a ton of stars in it, it just doesn't reach anywhere because it's like, well, like, because it is that question. Who is this for? It's like high culture meets low culture, low culture. And then it's like, it's all this weird mix of things that just doesn't land. Even. And I think, I don't know, it's, I think it's the time because like even the, like so the original Broadway run ran for like, I want to say almost 800 performances, uh, something like that. It ran and then for the revival only ran for like 
200. 729 performances with Raul Julia as Guido. Which and then the revival was like only 200 and something. But it did get best revival that year. Yes. I know that. Um, it ran for 283 performances and it won two Tonys, best and revival Jennifer and best featured actress. And it also had Antonio yes. Banderas. With Jane Krakowski doing yes. Call from the Vatican with a silk. Put respect on her name for Barbara that Nancy. iconic performance. It's a really stunning cast. And that's why it's like surprising that it didn't run for like, it ran for like less than a year. Mm-hmm. Wild. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about yeah. casting too, because this is very interesting. There's literally yes. half the IMDb page in particular is just all, it's all about because there were so many people. It's wild. So to begin with, I'm just going to run down the list here. So we got Katie Holmes. She auditioned for Louisa, which is Marion Cotillard's role. Not a shot in hell. Absolutely not. No. We have seen your On My Own in Dawson's Creek. <laughs> I watched oh, that so recently and just... It, it's a lot. It's terrible. I have never I seen just... that, but I can imagine... I, the word that comes to mind is oh. thin. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a good word <laughs> yeah. for that. Like, yeah. I just... I mm, No, yeah. Um, Barbara Streisand was yeah. considered for Lily. Sure. But Which, no. I mean, I'm like, not okay. like sure, but... But it's Fine, it's but, the yeah. same thing with Sophia Loren. It's kind of like almost offensive that it's like you would cast Barbara and then give her so little to do. You'd only give her one song, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, and then we have yeah. oh, this is this is separate. But Lindsay Lohan expressed interest in a role, but was turned yes. down after producers felt she looked quote too young. I yeah, they were going to say she looked not Italian, which is also <laughs> correct. I was like, yeah. Like, I I feel like this is definitely in her trouble spot or the beginning of her trouble yeah. spot. So I definitely think it wasn't definitely. just she was too young. I think it was we don't want a liability at her hands. Lindsay Lohan, like, a theater kid? Like, how did she know about Nine? I don't, I don't know. She... Maybe. Well, to be fair, I mean, she's, like, a big star at this point. So I'm sure she's hearing all these rumors about who's getting cast and who. There's like, And they were casting every yeah. fucking, like... Every celebrity in town was going in for this movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Every notable woman was on the list, practically. It is star-studded. Yeah. Then you have Javier Bardem. He was originally cast as Guido, but then he left due to exhaustion, which would have been interesting to see. Due to exhaustion. Penelope. Yeah, which, yeah, like, he, like, rehearsed it, and then it was like, I'm exhausted, gotta go. I feel like he was like, this, this isn't, isn't working, working or he was mentally something, exhausted. Something else is going on. Yeah. <laughs> a lot to deal with. But then also, oh, yeah. Johnny Depp and George Clooney were also considered. Um, yeah. And then Dan yeah. Lewis himself, he only got this part because, first of all, Rob Marshall, like once, you know, he was asked about it. He was like, yeah, I wasn't auditioning. Dan Lewis, because he's like the biggest, most well-known yeah. actor, most respected actor in his field. Like, like I'm not going like, to go out. Of, I don't think he would ever do it. That was basically the reasoning. It's like, I, I don't think he would have any interest in my silly little movie. But meanwhile, it turns out him and Judy Dench have the same manager. And so, or same agent. What was it? Hold on. It's on my thing. Yeah. They have the same manager. Yeah. And she ended up being like, Hey, you know, go send the, you know, let's send the script yeah. to him. So they send the script to him and he ended up calling up Rob Marshall and was like, I definitely want to do this because, you know, at first he wanted to take a break, you know, because every fucking movie he does, it's a whole big 
song and dance where he's got to, you know, it's a production. He's got to build a jacket or a house or cobble shoes or something, chop some wood, live like Abe Lincoln, like whole deal, right? He's like, I just want to take a break. But then I saw this and thought it would be really fun. So then I decided to do it. So he was just like, I'm feeling a little whimsical. And that was like, the rest is history. <laughs> He's like, I don't have to like, I don't have to like chop wood sure. for this movie. So I'm good. I I just have to side note yesterday, Cal and Whitney were like, Sky, Abraham Lincoln has a huge <laughs> dick, right? Like he has dick energy. And I was like, Daniel Day Lewis? And they were like, no, Abraham the Lincoln. The actual president? <laughs> Cool. I don't want to think about that. I was like, what the I... fuck? Straight to Horn Jail. Our friends are yeah. completely unwell. <laughs> We're re- There's no jail. other Horny Jail option. Reopening it. Block them in. Throw away the key. <laughs> but yeah, so Dan Lewis gets the role. I, I keep calling him Dan Lewis because that's how I wrote in my notes because I didn't I, I was too lazy to write out Daniel Day Lewis the entire time and like DDL didn't seem as fun. So I was like, Dan Lewis, right? Um, and then after that, yeah. we have Anne Hathaway and Sienna Miller, who both auditioned for Stephanie. I wouldn't have been able to remember Stephanie at all if Sienna Miller were in the part. Sorry to say. Oh, my God. Never. Never. No. I forget that, like, she exists. As I've said many times, could not pick her out of a lineup. Anne Hathaway would have been good. Yes, she would have. She she has big theater yeah. kid energy. Yeah, I true. and I will give Kate Hudson some credit in this um, because she is she she's giving the energy. She knows what movie she's in. She's like, doing I think it. This, we... I think this role is the only one that fully understands what movie it is in. Yes, yes. we made our friend that hates musicals watch just a clip of A Call from the Vatican and Cinema Italiano. And she hated it because of who she is as a person. But her her very correct comment was, you know, I have to give her credit. I didn't know Kate Hudson had it in her. And she's right. Someone didn't watch Glee, clearly. Well, that's I a lot of us. I she sang multiple times. Wait, Kate Hudson was She was on Glee. And Gwyneth. Both her and Gwyneth were both on Glee. <laughs> Wait, and now we have to talk about the casting, the pre. What's the word? Pre-empted. Pre-existed. No. no. I don't know what, what the casting before Nicole Kidman. Yes, because so it's insane. Chicago, right? Chicago happens. Catherine Zeta-Jones and Rob Marshall, they're besties, you know? And he says, hey, bestie, you want to be in this movie? She's like, yeah, absolutely. I would love to play Claudia. That would be great. Um, Can you make the role bigger? And he's like, no, I can't do that because that doesn't make sense. And she's like, it makes no sense. Okay, well, bye, Diva. And then she drops out. And then after that, it's Amy Adams, Gwyneth Paltrow, Anne Hathaway were all considered. Juliette Binoche and Demi Moore all (laughs) auditioned insane it's an insane group of people yeah i love that she fully was like can you make it bigger no okay i'm walking goodbye she's like we're besties i love you she's like i'm not even gonna do a favor for you she's like fuck that but it makes no sense to have claudia have a bigger role like it makes no narrative sense i know there are like 18 songs that were not used how many were 
where Claudia is? Or does she only have like one or two songs? She doesn't have a lot in the musical. Because a lot of the ones like, they cut were remember. like Guido songs, which I have Yeah, to they say, cut like a ton of Guido, but like truly, I don't God. think that she has more than like two. Yeah. And I know that I complain a lot about how Sweeney Todd cut the ballad of Sweeney Todd, which doesn't make sense for Sweeney Todd. Them cutting nine made so much sense. The songs that they cut make sense to cut. They did it very smart. It works well. It has all the bangers. It has all the things. The like added song is like whatever. Oh. Cinema Italiano, the though. The three added songs. A banger. Specifically. <laughs> Cinema Italiano is the best edition by far. I, I, love I have to say, I wrote... I don't want to like I don't want to get too into it because we will be talking about it in more detail. But I can tell you that I wrote Cinema Italiano is not dot 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 good, but it's not boring. So yeah. I'll give it that. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not good, quote unquote, but it's a banger. <laughs> There's it's not good, there. but it's blessed, you know. Yeah, and I give them exactly. credit for doing big geostorm energy. <laughs> and then the other one, uh, Guarda La Luna, is just very like, it's like whatever. That yeah, is just like an excuse to exists. get Sophia Loren singing. They had to. She in her contract, I'm sure, was like, "I want this." And they even said, then, okay. I could see Rob Marshall being like, "We can't waste Sophia Loren in this part. She has to sing." Um, yeah. And my issue with that song is more so like that it just feels randomly placed into the movie, which it it kind of is, I think. But I mean, it's fine. It's whatever. And then take it all. I did like, but at the same time, I felt like I was like, why is this so familiar? And then I realized, oh, it serves probably the exact same function as you better change from all that jazz, (laughs) like an identical purpose. And originally, that song was supposed to be a trio between the three girls. Are you kidding me? And then apparently, no. And then right before filming, the music supervisor was like, JK, we're making this a solo for Robert Marion Cotier. is calling right now from the grave, from the great beyond. Like, yeah. He's on the line. That's what I'm saying. Like, it was supposed plagiarism. to be a trio. <laughs> <laughs> Lord. <laughs> but yeah, that was the one that got nominated for the Oscar and it lost to Crazy Heart that year. The I am obsessed with the set design, art direction, mm. production design, costume mm. design. Yes. Yes. Every single bit of it is beautiful. Yeah, it looks great. And I think um this was also another point I was going to make. I think the reason why this movie doesn't succeed completely is because the visuals part, that's easy, you know? Especially, he already has a yeah. good eye for stuff. So it's like, like I said, great he's good at it. Easy to like do that. And visuals are so much easier to emulate versus good story and direction. Yes. You know, that's like the reality of the situation. You can make a movie as beautiful as you want 
copy elements from Fellini all you want, but if you don't have a good script to begin with and you don't have yeah. a good sense of how to adapt it properly and like control yes. that as a director, you're going to run into issues. And I think that Which, is like the sole problem with this movie. Yeah. And I think it's like pretty well directed. I think the issues lie in the screenplay. That's where I think mm-hmm. I would just love to know. Uh, yeah. Also, I would like you guys to guess. Okay. So this soundtrack it peaked at 26 here in america Mm. there's one country that peaked at three and one that peaked at nine i would like you to guess those emily do you have any guesses i mean italy no No. i guarantee you didn't want to be italian (laughs) i guarantee you they watched this movie and they were like Mamma Mia, no. Mamma Mia, Mamma Mia, no, thank you. Um, I Mamma Mia is a good hint for one of the Greece. Greece. Yes, it peaked at number nine in Greece and number three in Poland. Wild. Big Dan Lewis fans or big Fergie fans. Maybe it was just the Fergie. It's the Fergie of it all. Stacey Ferguson of it all. She single-handedly yeah. carries that entire soundtrack on her back. Like, oh God, I love her so much. She killed that. It's so fucking good. That scene is just, I like replayed it because I was like. Oh. Mm, Every once in a while, I just revisit it because I'm like, oh, it's time. I got to I gotta be Italian. Let me see some sexy sand dancing. I want it. I want to be Italian. Let's go. I am Italian, but it makes me want to be Italian. It makes me want to. It makes you want to cook it a pizza? <laughs> cook it a pizza. <laughs> Scott and I now, we now have this running joke because there was this, this, I, this has to be brought up because it is going to be addressed and it is going to be used on this podcast. I guarantee you with frequency. So, um, so there's this like Twitter thread about like how you should not be like, um, glamorizing um the mafia and mafia mafia i almost said mafia like a mafia of mods um but you shouldn't be glamorizing the mafia mafioso aesthetic right which fair i get that but then somebody just replied i cook it a pizza (laughs) and the person got really mad at them and then they said something else it was like something about i cook it a linguini or whatever it was the linguini mama mia i cook it a linguini no they didn't say mama mia because then the person responded again negatively and then they just said mama mia so that is so sky and i have we share one brain cell so now we've just been sending back and forth i cook it a pizza you cook it a pizza pizza. oh so you cook it a pizza like it's just a constant thing and this movie being the movie that we are covering makes it 10 times worse because it is referring to Italy and being Italian frequently. All the time. It's all about the Italian. His movie that he has not written is all about the Italian aesthetic Italian. and culture. Oh, yeah. That's what it's called. Because he was so influenced. Be Italian. This holiday the season, tagline. we invite you to be Italian. It's just so wild. Yeah. <laughs> They couldn't think of anything better. See, I think they really did this movie dirty with the marketing. 
They couldn't think of anything better. This cast is so star-studded. How did it not make the money? Yeah, but that's the thing, though, is that big ensemble movies like this, I feel like often do flop because it is just like, there's so much star power here. They've got to be overcompensating for something. I guess that's true. It's like I'm, I'm almost in reality worthy of it. Yeah. In reality, this is because Rob Marshall is just like friends with everybody. Yeah. And like, and like has a lot of clout. And Chicago was so huge. So everybody's like, well, this is the guy so you got to do a movie with. Right. I mean, and like that, was, especially a musical. Yeah. Especially if you are, because like the thing about like Catherine Zeta Jones is that she had a theater career. She had a stage career. Like she played, like she was an Annie and all this stuff, you know, growing up. Um, but like people didn't know her as a singer specifically. So then she does Chicago and everyone's like, oh, wow, she can sing. And then she's like back and doing, you know, stage work and, you know, asking us to send in the clowns and stuff. So like, you yeah. know, so that's like a huge thing. So it's like, oh, well, maybe I have this singing bug as an actor. I've never gotten to like flex. So I'm going to be in this movie. I'm going to sing a little bit. It's, it's going to be fun. I'm going to do some choreography and it's going to be easy work. And so then that's like the whole thing for them. And then for us, we're just kind of like, well, you're not singers, though. That's the other thing. I think people are like, well, you don't sing. So why would I watch this movie? Yeah, people it's and now me, movie musical movie like, musical now. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, you know, and it's funny, too, that Dan Lewis spends all of his time, you know, go, going method. Right. And he didn't work hard enough on the vocals, I think. Okay, kill him. <laughs> Sophie just came for his <laughs> neck. And listen to this. Here's what he did for this particular movie, because of course that was on my mind. I was like, how, how, in what ways was he over the top and ridiculous while making this movie? You know, while getting into his method, yeah. right? Um, so he stayed in character offset, even speaking with an Italian accent at all times. Once again, he clearly didn't spend enough time because he didn't sound Bro. Italian. <laughs> This is why, like, I wish that, like, sh more movies would do, like, the Chernobyl of it all, where, like, they don't do, like, a Russian accent. Like, there is no... Question like for one generic. second in this movie, if he had just been speaking with his normal accent. Exactly. I would have been like, yeah, sure. Because, like, everybody, like, Nicole's barely doing an accent. Uh, you know, like, yeah. Marion has her French accent. Judy Dench is not doing a Swedish accent. She's just doing her normal voice. She's out here. Yeah. Being Judy Dunn. And then also, according to music supervisor Matt Sullivan, one day during shooting at London Shepperton Studios, Rob and I got called into Daniel's dressing room, which was designed as a 1960s film director's office. He's smoking a cigarette in full outfit and in character, and he's telling us how he would like to see this number that he's performing and he's talking to us as Guido Contini. It was a really surreal experience. I would have been like, Dan, cut this shit right now. Are you serious? Seriously. I can't. <laughs> Half the budget was probably spent on his office as well, along with paying all of the actors. Yeah. Like I think Their the budget, budget was just paychecks. Yeah. Straight paychecks. That's the other problem. Hello? If they would have just hired more, you know, like, less big names and more people who could sing. I think they would have done a little bit better and also less of a bomb because you don't have to pay all of those big paychecks. You don't have to try and recoup that. You just, you get lesser names, 
less money to spend on them. And then you, you know, you keep Dan Lewis as your big star and you maybe get Fergie in there for sure. And then maybe Nicole or, or Marion or one of them. And then, you know, or Judy yeah. Dench, you keep Judy Dench yeah. and you maybe you swap like out the rest. Or two. You keep Sophia Loren because like, yeah, of course you keep Fergie. Absolutely. Fergie is a, like, Fergie is the keystone linchpin of this film. Like, Kate Hudson doesn't need to be in this movie, you know what I mean? Like, and Nicole no. Kidman's part, sure. like, Nicole Kidman's part, while, yes, it's kind of more impactful when you have, like, a legit famous actress, like, who is a movie star in it, like, that role is so small that it, like, doesn't need to be this big name. Sophia, if you want to have her in there because she's a legacy, that makes sense. And maybe, you know, Judy Dench, like, level star because of the sort of seniority of it and sort of the importance of that role. Sure. But Penelope Cruz's character could have been anybody. Um, Marion could have been anybody. Like I said, Kate Hudson could have been anybody like, and the rest of the people in this movie are not notable. So it's like, it's so front heavy with these big names and then everybody else is just, yeah. you know, someone who's Italian or, or random. you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Also, I want to point out that like all of the good lines in this movie came from the musical book, like the book of the musical. Yeah. All of the good lines. So we can't even give credit to no. Anthony Mitchell. <laughs> okay, I do want to talk about, because originally I was going to do a song ranking, but then I was like, I don't remember half these songs. So yeah, it's much easier to ask voice ranking. Wow. Fergie, obviously, number one. I don't think we have to even talk about that. No. No. Number two, I would be interested to hear. I'm I'm leaning toward Penelope Cruz. That's who I was going to say. Interesting, because I have her much lower. Wow. Who would you have above her? I would put... I would put maybe Nicole second. Maybe that's kind of controversial, but... She also has less singing to do, so she kind of gets away clean. And plus, to begin with, I already know what she sounds like because of Moulin Rouge. True. True. And yeah, I like her I guess voice. I forget about her songs, almost. Yeah, her songs are very forgettable. Um, yeah, I still, I would say Penelope Cruz for me over her. Then I put Kate. Oh. Because... The problem is she does a lot of talk singing, but then at the end when she actually has to belt, I was like, okay, there's something there. I can see why she got this job. You know, controversially, yeah, controversially, I think that Marion Cotillard is ranked last. I then put Marion because I think she actually is surprisingly good and she has a lot more to do than everybody else. So she's like, I just... Under a microscope. Her, my husband makes movies is like so low tier to me. See, and you're coming from this perspective of knowing the song. So for me, just right off the bat, I'm basing it solely off vocal ability and like my expectation rather than comparing it to other people. That's what it is. Where would you rank her? I I don't think I would put her like dead last, but I feel like she just is very like safe and fine, you know. Like, yeah. All of, and all of, and it's the songs that she's given too. She doesn't really have yeah. to like. Yeah. There's nothing. Bell, bell shaking her ass in a glittery 
silver dress, you know? So she's just like, that's the middle of the pack for me. Then I have Penelope. The reason, the reason why I have Penelope after her is because I don't think Penelope is a great singer, but I think the affectation and the voice she's doing does a lot of work for her. Um, Whereas the accent that Daniel day Lewis is doing is like, it gets in the way, whereas hers is used to enhance the lack of vocal ability. And I think it makes it work. Also, I think I would put Judy Dench below Marine Cotier. Well, actually. then I, I then I put Sophia and Judy at the same because they don't really yeah. they don't have a lot to do, and you know, like Judy's having fun. So, like at the end of the day, I'm not Judy, mad about it. Okay, yeah, I've Judy. Are you like a little theater kid at heart? Because you did this, which I think this is way better than Cats. But like, she also did Cats. Cats was hilarious. At least she's like fully like. She showed up. You just know she was on set in her little green cat suit, wearing her little like slippers. Refused to take off her wedding ring. She's like, "You can Photoshop it out, right?" Like, I know, I know how this works. You can definitely Photoshop this out. It's totally fine. And then they just didn't. And then she has like human hands and human feet for like half of it. It's very bizarre. She's like, "I'm just gonna walk around in a big so coat, life straight." And I love that for her. You know what? I support it. But yeah, no, I had her and, and and Sophia ranked the same just because they're they're not given a ton to do and it's not like their their performances are particularly vocally showy. Then I put Dan yeah. dead last because he does not sound good in this movie at all. He yeah, I he doesn't it's very toxic-y. Yeah. Very toxic-y. General, I think everybody was having a really great time. You know, everybody was feeling good about it, whatever. Like, Dan looks like, you know, he's a dirty dog in this movie, but he's, like, really charming. You get why, like, all of these women were, like, obsessed with him. He looks hot in this movie. He does! I was gonna say that! I was like... (laughs) The chain? I was like, I Daniel Day-Lewis in this movie. What is happening to my brain? This, okay, you put this one, you put this Dan Lewis and Phantom Thread, not a dry seat in the house. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> a double feature of those. No, he looked so good. And like one of my favorite scenes is like them like role playing. Like Penelope Cruz oh and Daniel God. Day Lewis are so hot together. That scene is so good. You get like you get that. it. You're like, okay, I get why like these women are horny for him or why he like can pull all these women. Oh, yeah. Why the press is so obsessed with him, blah, blah, blah. And why the Vatican is like willing to overlook shit because they're like, yeah, his movies are good. Like, great, he's charming, you know? Um, it makes sense. Um and then like Marianne does does a good job. She's much more restrained. Like I said, like she she could go for a big oscary moment at all times like there's so many moments in this where you're like louisa could just yell at this man right and she just doesn't she like she takes you know a more restrained route with it which i like there's like one big moment where she yells and then there's the big like angry like striptease song but other than that it's pretty restrained and you know she had just won the oscar like a few years before this um and it was like literally she wins the Oscar and then it's like she does um, I think she does this movie and she does Public Enemies in the same year. Then she does Inception after that. And then two years, the two following years, it's Midnight in Paris and The Dark Knight Rises and Contagion is also in the mix there. She just was like on the up and what up. filmography. She like fully was like, this was her moment. You know what I mean? This, this period was huge for her. Not to mention she looks absolutely gorgeous in this movie. 
Oh, yeah, she's hot. Beautiful. Like yeah. stunningly gorgeous. Even with those like Audrey Hepburn kind of bangs that don't necessarily yeah. 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 Um, and then obviously Penelope, great, very sexy. Like I get she's very funny so too hot. in moments, very, you know, very human, yeah. very likable. She's great. Like I, I get why totally I get why she was nominated. It. Yes. And it's kind of funny because I think looking back, I was like, this is ridiculous. I don't understand this. But now I'm like, yeah, no, like I totally would have, like if we were doing our blessed of the year, I totally would have put her performance in there because she is great. Genuinely. Yeah. Very entertaining. It's a really solid performance. And I, I think that Daniel Day-Lewis's performance is solid except for the accent. The and singing and the accent, yeah. It just, I just think it would be so much better. I want to go back in time. I yeah. want to go back in time. And fix that, yeah. That's and, like, like the biggest thing. Be the thing. leader. I want to be, I want to be like the consultant. Yeah. I mean, as per usual, he is committed. He's, he's in his element, whatever. He's a great actor. There's no denying that, you know, it just combines yeah. the few weaknesses that he does have. That's all. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Judy Dench having a great time tits out. She is day. having the time of her life. Oh yeah. She was, oh, she was clearly just like a little her Bob. Oh, yeah, can't handle her in that little. Air it's style. so goofy. <laughs> I love it. So silly. Love it so much. Um, and then you have Kate Hudson, who is so anachronistic; it's like ridiculous. She really is. Uh, she's seen an Multiple models of iPhones. She's to seen be an clear. iPhone twelve, and that wasn't even out in two thousand nine yet. Exactly. She's seen it. Yeah, she types her reports on a MacBook. Like that is how yeah. anachronistic she is, and not like an Al Woods MacBook. Like she types it not on like, like the, the bubble, MacBook like colorful one. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. one of those. Just like fully like a MacBook Pro, like latest edition yeah. with the Retina display and everything. Yeah. yeah, no headphone jack. Like no, no CD drive. Oh no. Um, and then you have, of course, Nicole who. Nicole isn't given a lot to do. I mean, she shows up only like in the last, you know, however many minutes of this movie uh, and gets one song and then promptly disappears. But I mean, I like the idea of her being in that part because she is a movie star, you know, mm -hmm. that's like, it, it fits. Yeah. You know, even though her, because like my problem with Nicole in, in parts like this is that she just has like, and this is not to shame her or anything, but like she's just gotten a lot of work done to the point that it's like, that's only a face that could exist now. But when you take away yes. the filler, she does have a very classic sort of yeah, a very but classic look. Now she's seen an iPhone too many mm. times. Yeah. And but she like it's one of her best wigs in recent years. I'll give her that. It looked pretty good. It wasn't too wiggy. And I'm like a connoisseur of Nicole Kidman wigs. <laughs> you are. If she's you really in a bad are. wig, I will point it out immediately. <laughs> the undoing? Hello. Oh boy. <laughs> Great coats, terrible wigs. That's what that show should be called. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and and I'm glad she got to sing again. My favorite is also she just is like I'm not attempting an accent. Don't ask me to. Thank you. Yeah, it feels right for it's the perfect. character, though. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. Like she's like I actually don't want to be Italian. I want to be very <laughs> like yeah. universal blonde movie star. Don't. It so it works. That on me. It's great. She's. Yeah. She's doing it. She made a choice. Yeah. Um, okay. So now we are going to do the summary, which involves the musical numbers. So we'll talk in depth. Yes. I mean, to begin with, we have Guido Contini, who is Federico Fellini. 
a stunning opening number. Yeah. But to begin with, we have Guido. He's a gifted Italian filmmaker. You know, it's 1965. He's in Rome. And he's developed writer's block. He can't come up with the idea for his next film. And in this big opening, well, first of all, I do want to mention when he's talking to the press, he goes on this whole big thing about like, you know, movies and whatever. And then my favorite is someone asks him about pasta. It's a fucking great line. And all I could think about was, I could get a pasta. You can't get more stereotypically Italian than that. No, you can't. And Italians have very strong preferences about favorite types of pasta. But so he ends up summoning all of the women in his life in this sort of surreal manner on this big set that is reused multiple times for all of the musical numbers. Um, So we have Louisa, his wife, who is based on Giulietta Messina, who is Fellini's wife in real life. Um, We have Claudia, his star actress, who is based on Anita Ekberg, who is played by Nicole Kidman. We have Carla, his mistress, based on Anna Giovannini, uh, who is Fellini's mistress. Uh, played by Penelope Cruz. Then we have Lily's costume designer, Judy Dench. Uh, Stephanie, an American fashion journalist from Vogue, who's randy as hell, as I put it. <laughs> if I can't listen. <laughs> and then we have, we have, I'm excited to pronounce this, Saragina. You truly did something there. <laughs> what do you mean about this opening? I mean, we see all the women, they all come in, they're all it's you know, stunning. doing their thing. Mm-hmm. I wrote I wrote in my notes um, eight and a half opening scene reigns victorious but god does this shit slap already <laughs> wow a wonderful piece in the mind of sky <laughs> I just wrote down like I love in a musical when things are like coming back to life like it reminded yes. me of like not the film version but just like phantom of the opera or like yeah. I don't know anything where it's just like this is just like this empty stage this empty it reminded me of like he's like I don't know how to fucking make a movie anymore apparently but if I did <laughs> this is what you know everyone's like yes. coming from everywhere and um just all these like beautiful people that we love and you're like oh my god like it's this like it, if you had no idea who was in the movie and then all of a sudden there's like Sophia Loren and there's like Beauty Dench yes descending from the heavy side layer and coming down to be with us. And um, then Kate Hudson came out and I um, reminded myself to cancel Fabletics for the month. <laughs> Just kidding. But that used to we be a thing I had to do Fabletics. monthly. Yeah. So um, She comes out sliding down a pole to be very yeah, clear. And I went, sure. okay, work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> she fucking did that. She fucking, she did put in the work. She really did. And my other favorite is like she earned her you have all of these like all of these women in this yeah. movie. Like Penelope Cruz is like crawling on the floor. She's very sexy, whatever. You have her sliding down the pole. You have like Nicole Kidman coming up and immediately giving him a kiss, whatever. And then it's like Judy Dench in a wig with a cigarette on the stairs. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> That's oh, like that party. is how we make her flooring. And that hair. Cigarettes. Great. Oh Lord. The the wig on Fergie. Oh, she's it's a good thing she is like so incredible that it's like I can completely forgive that they make her look a hot mess. She's sexy, <laughs> and it's her power that she overcomes it, yeah, fully. Um, but so after this musical number is done, um, 
Guido, of course, continues to be evasive when asked by reporters about his new movie because he doesn't have an idea for one. So then this leads into the next song, Guido's song, um, which immediately starts off with a Fosse like homage, clearly with that like the hat it's over the head. head. Very Fosse, very Chicago. Overt. I'm like, I think I texted Emily like Rob Marshall knew what worked in a movie musical. And he said, I'm just going to roll the tape again. He was like, I am the blueprint and I will be following that blueprint again. Sort of. Yeah. Once might as well do it again. Yeah. And like, I literally went, Oh, come on. When, when I saw like the fedora over his head, that I was like, are you kidding me? Like I said, he's calling down right now. He's on the line. He's like, hello, 1-800-PLAGIARISM? <laughs> I have a crime I would like to report. <laughs> and like, but I literally forgot because I almost, for some reason, I forgot that he sang in this movie. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I think it's because it is so focused on the women singing. Yeah. I literally was like, hmm, oh, he sings. Okay, it's about to start. And I was like, oh, I, I'm sure he's good, right? No, I was immediately proven wrong. I was like, oh no, this is worse than I remembered it. Like, not good. And, and then it's even worse because then he's climbing around. So it's like, I don't think on the monkey bars. It's a lot to process immediately. I'm like, Daniel Day Lewis is singing, and he's like, yeah, he's like monkey bar barsing around all over the place, like in the scaffold. I do like that scaffolding idea too, but once again, I thought. All that jazz, I thought Fosse was like, he's being very kind of blatant here. That's what I'll say. And I mean, they're both eight and a half. That was my other thing is that it's like, like I mentioned earlier, when you have this movie doing Fellini and then you have so many other Fellini kind of, you know, homages, it's like, you can't help but compare the two. So it's like, this time I'm just sitting here and I'm like, all that jazz did this better. All that jazz did this better. Like, that's all I can do. Yeah. Because that movie to me is unimpeachable and an incredible piece of art and this movie exists this movie slaps in a very different way like this movie is like all that jazz is like beautiful stunning show-stopping etc nine just like gives me a lot of serotonin in my brain lord also i will say it was smart that they cut out most of his songs and just use one at the beginning and one at the end because one we don't need to hear him sing any more than that like that's (gasps) We don't need to go no, they're any further. Necessary. The runtime is under two hours. I don't need yeah, we don't, seven more We don't songs need any more than that. But also that. the problem is that he gets so much more as a character, whereas the other women do not exist without mm-hmm. their songs. Like the, the women as characters have nothing if they do not have at least one song each. So it's like if you add more of that in there and then you take away, it's like it just doesn't work. It's like we need – it works better as a – film that is viewed through his lens yes through him viewing the women in his life and that's just sort of the the thing that it's framed around rather than also a musical where he also happens to sing and also happen like it just needs to be a more observational kind of piece on his end right so i'm kind of glad that it it like he doesn't have any more than that for sure and this song like gives you everything like it gives you like all the exposition you need into his character it gives you like like you're like okay now we can like take this journey with this person because we know what he's about we know what his problem is and what he wants and and he doesn't really need to sing to us again for a long time because yeah it's just him creating this elaborate fantasy where he's like Mm. i want to be 
I want to be naive again. I want to be, you know, a young guy, blah, 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 mm -hmm. all this stuff. And you get the idea. Um, and then after this point, you know, he gets all freaked out by the reporter. So he just escapes to the Italian coast. He places a call to Carla, his mistress, who talks seductively to him over the phone, which first of all, these doctors are like checking him out and he is horny on Maine on the phone. Wait. One of my favorite moments is when he is like inhaling smoke and then they put the tongue depressor and it's out. Like that, that is, is good so good moment. to me. I did enjoy it's that. So good. And he's so horny on the phone. I'm like, just ask them to leave the room. He is writhing on this fucking bed. And they're like, his blood pressure is elevating or like his heart rate or something suddenly like what's going and on he's like, he's like shut up i'm on the phone just leave me alone. <laughs> he's like practically like humping the bed yeah. you know what I mean? so of course absurd and this is but of course this is in response to a call from the vatican which is the penelope cruise number that we've talked about mm. she's got prop Fucking work iconic. she's got a curtain Sliding she's got pink so ropes sexy. she's got a platform the whole thing yeah. she starts swinging around at one point from the ropes yeah, it's and I will say this is something I appreciated. You know, unlike the singing, where I feel like, you know, it's kind of more difficult to um, when you have an established musical. I feel like it's harder to make people who aren't non-singers sound better because it's like you can tailor all you want, but you still yeah. need the meat of the song to be there. You can't change it so much. You have to still adhere to source material. Yeah. Whereas dancing, what's so great is that you can tailor that to the actress that you're working with mm -hmm. and, and that's the thing is that like so he understands well. it's better to push the actors and get a lot versus like push the actors a little bit i mean and get a lot rather than pushing too yeah. hard and then Which not getting anything because it's too much for them to do and it's the same thing he did in chicago and that's why it yeah. works the and reliance the on the back work. backup dancers is smart because they add a lot to the sequence. They fill out the stage. It looks great. And they're really dynamic, but also yeah. it distracts from the lack of ability. The lead dancer may or may not have because there are so many of them. Whereas in like something like burlesque where it's like Christina Aguilera's character has to be a good dancer. That's the whole reason why she gets a fucking job mm -hmm. along with being able to sing. It's like, I'm distracted because there's like five girls on that stage versus 30 or 50 or however many they have in some sequences. You know what I mean? <laughs> But yeah, yeah. And for me, this exactly. is a more memorable song just 100%. because like I remember the performance. Whereas a lot of them, I'm like, this, I don't remember this at all. It doesn't stick in my mind aside from a couple of things. Mm -hmm. This sticks in your brain because she's so hot and so good in it. And this is like yeah. what an it's introduction. And that she's kind of the first person that we meet, really, out of all the yes. all the different women's stories. You're like, yes. okay, we're let's this is fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah we meet sure. her before the wife. Um, but yeah, so then Guido's producer ends up finding where he is. And so he brings the film's crew to the coast uh, to work at the hotel. And once again, he's still not telling them what the movie's about. So like that was pointless. But um, he also ends up um, calling his wife, Louisa, and, you know, talks about where he is and, you know, sort of intimates, you know, maybe you could come, but maybe also you don't need to come kind of a thing. Um, and he also confesses to Lily costume designer that he has no script and is still looking for an idea and she is like well use your film to entertain and then 
here's my song. I'm inspired by Foley Bijet, where I learned my art. And that's just kind of like the oh, point of the note. Like there's there's yeah. not a lot going on. It's truly just like yeah. live yeah. for Italian, It literally is just like we need Judy Dench to have a number, so we're gonna give her this number. It's great, it works, it's fine. Like she's having a good time, so I'm having a good time. There's great costumes in yeah. this sequence, very beautifully lit, looks great. Um her French accent that she does that's fake is a lot better Beautiful. than Daniel Day-Lewis's Italian accent, which I found to be very funny. Um, but then we have a conversation with the Cardinal in the hot springs. Yeah. Um, and I only note this because he's like, you need to teach women to be wives, not whores. Oh, wow. And then to make, you know, Italian or sorry. And then to be Italian and make Italy proud. He's telling him to do this with his new movie. Cause he's talking about how, you know, Oh, it's just titled Italia, blah, blah, blah. All these expectations, whatever, which then leads him to be Italian, which I thought was very funny. <laughs> He's like, being Italian means something different. To me Very goofy. It's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, I think that this, like, it really uses um, non-diegetic songs well. I do, and I do and transitions like very well into that space. Similar to all that jazz, that. which is also, you know, an eight and a half takeoff. I like that yeah. because it's like... I, I I don't know. I just feel like this movie would be very awkward if it were like, oh, it's all happening right here. And plus, it would make sense with the Fellini homage as well. So, like, it makes sense that it is in this sort of imaginary, surreal sort of film set space. And it makes it feel more yes. theatrical, but also more cinematic, which I appreciate. Um, and it's just, it's a nice set. So it looks great. And I, I like what they can do with that. Um but yeah, so Be Italian, this is sort of kicked off with another black and white sequence. Uh, we see nine-year-old Guido and his friends coming across Serena. She is... She's, she's out yeah. there being she's hot Italian on the beach. She's an Italian sex worker. And, and they're they like, oh, well, if we give her stunned. some coins, then, you know, maybe she'll give us a little show. That's kind of it. And it's like their first sort of brush with, like, with, like, desire, quote-unquote, like, as children. Um, and then, of course, they end up getting punished for that um, at the, the end, which I'll come back to in a minute. But really yeah. iconic. But this this song, obviously, a is a lot of religious we trauma. It. It's so good. If you haven't heard it for some reason, go look it up on YouTube. It's unbelievable. Like, truly go watch it. Ugh. There's like a moment when like the blood red it's sand amazing. like switches to the sound stage, and it is. The costuming like on the, the dancers is incredible. Is I love good. that it's like these these tattered sort of, you know, red and black looks. It looks great. Mm. The tambourines are incredible. Yeah. The the sand, I love it's that direct so translation. Good. The lighting is unbelievable. The choreo is so good. They have the chairs. I love yes. good chair choreo. And this shit is like top tier level. Incredible. And love, it all comes together and it like fully just captures this like forbidden sort of mischievous dangerous sort of like lust you know what i mean this like but like because they're children they don't understand what they're watching necessarily like they they understand what they're seeing but like they don't understand the full gravity of that and this sort of like coming of age moment right so i love that it's this like really dramatic over the top you know, very intense song that's paired with that. I think it really works. Um, and she just kills it vocally. She's unbelievable. 
it's and it's picking so her good. was so perfect everything about she it she has incredible. not only just like a, a good range but she has this very sort of full-bodied very sort of um how do i put this there's like a, a very full voice a very um rich sound to her voice that like provides a lot in terms of theatrics yeah. but also just like in terms of what this song needs it needs something that feels very intense and over the top in the best way and very like a little bit darker she's got a little bit more of a darkness in her voice in this performance which i like versus like something like i don't know my helps right yeah <laughs> so good and it's one of the few times that I think the homage actually works because it does cut between the two. Mm -hmm. It cuts between the black and white scenes on the beach and this. And I, it, it reminded me a lot of, you know, because I haven't seen Eight yeah. and a Half, but I have seen Knights of Kiberia and there's a similar sort of element with women and children in that just a little bit. And so it reminded yeah. me a lot of, of that movie. Yes. Yeah, I do have to say in Eight and a Half, the scene that this is about, I was like, when I watched it, I was like, wow, I'm so disappointed that the scene does not work as well without Fergie singing be Italian. Like, straight up. I was like, I'm bored by this scene. She's just, like, being Nobody sexy, sings. but there is... Fergie does not show not up and start singing. You it's know? not the same. Yeah, I get you. Nobody sings. And it's not also, my favorite um, shot of the entire sequence is when they all sling oh. sand with the tambourines God, so over good. the place. That is incredible. I should have created an award yeah. for this. Okay, Fergie should have won a special they award should've. for this. Like, the Stacey I don't know what award, Ferguson, but like... <laughs> I was going to say Memorial, but she wasn't dead. Truly. And like... The Stacey Ann Ferguson Fergalicious Memorial in Award for Excellency Italian. in a movie in which a role is performed by Stacey Ann Ferguson, <laughs> a.k.a. Fergie. Cool. <laughs> it's, it's such a good, That's like... Stunt. Like... In terms of kind of stunt casting a pop star, that's the award. It's iconic. Like she acts it's perfect. exactly as well and as much as she needs to to be Saragina. Like she doesn't, you know, I don't like think of Fergie as like an actor, but like yeah. she just did exactly what she needed to do and killed it. So, yeah. Like it's similar to sort of like. I think and what is so effective yeah. about it is that it is such a small part. Mm -hmm. If it were like a more, you know, even as like Stephanie or something thing, that has to like, I would, yeah. do the in, like talk to him and like interview him and stuff. She's just like, I'm here, I'm hot, I'm out. Yeah, like, I think it'd be a little bit I. different. Yeah. yeah. It's like he took the wrong lessons away. He's like, okay, the people who don't sing, mm -hmm. they're going to sing a lot. Or a and then the people who do sing, they're only going to appear in one sing and they're in one scene and they're they're going to do one song and then they're never yep. to be heard from again like that uh of course louisa arrives at the hotel for dinner it's a big surprise he embraces her and wishes her a happy belated birthday which he forgot to do the first time when they were talking on the phone um and while they're this at dinner of course um she notices carla and she storms out um and he is you know, furious about this because the whole thing is that he's been keeping her not at the hotel, but at a pensione, which is, you know, by the train station and yeah. keeping her away. Yeah. He's like, cause I didn't even know yeah. you were coming. Like, she's so, not oh staying God. here. If, if I was with her, she would be staying here. 
and girl bossing. Yeah, fully. He was gaslight gatekeeping and girl bossing. That logic is like the logic that a three-year-old would use to justify something like – to like justify breaking like Mm. your last table. You know what I mean? Like it's ridiculous. Um, And of course, like while this is kind of happening, you also see her like – talk to the priest that he's at dinner with and he like doesn't realize that she was like the big actress that was in all of his movies originally so you start to understand like oh she's like completely lost her sense of identity people don't even know who she is anymore and so then you get the song my husband makes movies um this is like i think even though it's kind of a i mean they're both kind of boring but like emotionally this is like one of the more effective sequences as well. You know, I, Marion Cotillard just sells the shit out of it for me. Like when she's crying at the end, it's like really effective. She, and just those little subtle, tears. you know, like two little rivers on her face. Her yes. She's and for me, it acting. gives her the most interesting storyline just because, you know, it's like, here's this woman who has dedicated her life, you know, to the craft that she loves. Right. And then she meets this famous director and he's like, Oh, okay, I'll make you a star and we'll work together. It's going to be great. And then he's like, actually, yeah, I'm done with you. We're still married though. I still love you. You're my wife. You're amazing. You cannot leave me because I love you so much. Let me cheat on you several times. Also, let me stop casting you in my movies. Let me focus more on the other women that are around me who are new and shiny, right? And so she like loses her sense of individuality she loses her sense of identity and like publicly people don't really know who she is anymore and she like sacrifices so much by marrying him and it's like she's completely secondary to him even though she's so important in his life and in his career and you feel for her and you're like you know what marion cotillard dump his ass right now you don't deserve this shit like truly doesn't matter how many good movies he makes he's not i truly wrote like in my notes, like imagine yeah. thinking that Marianne Cotillard is not hot enough that you have to cheat on her. Like, what is wrong with you? you like, I mean, not, but seriously, like, what's wrong truly. with her? Like, what? <laughs> Hello? She, <laughs> oh my God, she's so stunning. So beautiful in this movie. It's absurd. She's absolutely gorgeous. It's like, come on, you dirty dog. It's ridiculous. Um, and so then he attempts yep. to pacify Louisa. That goes poorly. Um, and then he ends up meeting Stephanie in the hotel bar. Hey. And this is when we get her, like, describing her love for his movies. She says that, like, she cares. Oh, she cares more she about their American style than their shit. She's laying it on thick. <laughs> and it's so funny because she's like, Oh yeah, they're so great because they're about death of religion, yeah. sexual revolution, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, Kate Hudson has never oh. said something like this before in her life. She's really trying. She's very funny. Um, also, never. the lighting and the makeup in that particular hotel bar scene is yeah. so rude to her. I was Actually. like, I it's like disrespectful to Kate Hudson. For a person a moment, I don't I was like, care about, I but I'm not like, wow, this is for a long time. Why does she look no. like this? I was like, is something wrong? No, it was just the lighting in that particular scene was, I think, the most incredibly yeah. rude lighting they could have picked. Like, did she piss him off that day? Like, what's the deal? Really I don't know. But clearly it was fine because she did say that this was like the most fun she's ever had Ooh. making a movie. So we'll never know, you know? Um, yeah, and he does end up going to her hotel room. I love that, but he ends up freaking out when he sees her like getting all naked and getting all primed and prepped and ready to go. And he's like, "I can't do this. I gotta go." 
Yeah, he just yeah. It's like GTG. He really just yeets himself and, um, out of there. Of course, they end up performing Cinema Italiano, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the new songs for the movie. Um, first of all, I like the costume and I like the staging of this. Love the costume is gorgeous. It's you know that Love fringe, sparkly, you know, white get up like two piece kind of a thing with like the high neck oh i love that it's beautiful she looks great in it um i love the mod 60s vibe of it i like that because that like that set is very like classic italian style you know kind of like ruins and then you have this mod acrylic kind of a look going on and it and i like that they outfit the set with that they change it up that's great I appreciate that. Um, she looks like she's having a good yes. time. Now, Cinema Italiano is a song, um, as we said up top. Not great, no. It's not great. <laughs> but you know what it is. It's, it's, <laughs> it's so much fun. I'm yeah. like, yes, My thing is, give it is to me. It does I would not watch feel it like it fits in with the rest of the songs. Not at all. Oh, not that's at all. True. And that's very, why, like, unlike Dreamgirls, really well. where the added songs were, like, added to the musical iterations. Yeah, I see like, what you've all done here. I'm going to do the complete opposite of the vibe here. Hope you like it. And, like, down to the lyrics, the lyrics are not good at all. I will read yeah. some of them because they're absurd. Um, down to, like, the music, the music itself feels very different from everything else that's happening here like it just doesn't it just doesn't gel with everything else that's happening it's an interesting sequence and it's fun but if their goal was cohesion they failed sorely in that area i will read some <laughs> from it as well yes to begin with I love the black and white. I love the play of light, the way Contini puts his image through a prism. I feel my body chill gives me a special thrill each time I see that Guido neo-realism. It is so That's rhyming, folks. That's right. It is so clunky. It is Limo and Miranda shaking. Like, it sounds like (laughs) Rob Marshall showed up and said, here are words that describe Fellini. You have to use all of them, except for you can leave out three of them. And so they went, oh, we can leave out three? Actually, we're going to use all of them. Thank you for the advice. And then proceeded to write a song based around those words. Um, (laughs) There's also, I love the dark, handsome guys with their skinny little ties, dressing mod, looking out of sight. I love to watch them as they cruise with their pointy leather shoes, wearing shades in the middle of the night. Yes. He is the essence of Italian style. I love the glamorously Latin world that only Guido can portray Contini's cinema Italiano. I love his cinema Italiano, blah, 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 blah. But so after... Yeah, after Cinema Italiano, um, he ret- he returns to Luisa and he promises he's done with cheating, but then he ends up getting a call about Carla overdosing after a suicide attempt. Um, and so he goes to her, you have her talking to him, and she's like right in the scene because she's just so emotional and, and overcome with, you know, heartbreak and, and sadness. Um, she's so I great. like when she says, my husband thinks I'm clever. It's, it's a, a strange thing because I'm not. I like that a lot. That was good. Hell yeah! And, and she's like, I'm general, not worth dying for, Carla. She, like, and I'm like, you're damn right, you're not. Right. And Luigi, that that's his name, correct? Is it Luigi? Yeah. 
And he like, she's like always talking about how great he is uh, and yeah. how wonderful he yeah, is. Meanwhile, she's funny. cheating on him, which yeah. I just think is very funny. But it also makes you really like her because it's like, oh, she like loves her husband. She's like a really sweet woman, but also she's like not faithful to him. She plays it so well too, because she's just like, I'm like incredibly sexy, but I'm kind of yes. like a dummy. Oh my god, when she's like, and, like I will be here with silly my too. Open. Like I she's just like at that. Like I'm the way hot, she's sitting also, is so like, awkward and it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She just does like these silly little things. And you're and like, you're in a movie like this where cute. you have a character cheating on their husband yeah, with another so character good. and vice versa, or they're both cheating on their partners. It's so, I think it's very easy for the audience to turn on that person, the the mistress or the manstress, I guess you could say, or whoever they're cheating with. Um, but in this case, it's like, she's charming enough that it's like, I don't for one second, like, I, you know, I personally, I would not blame her anyway, but it's like, I don't, the viewer at home is less likely to blame her for this because it's like, well, this is solely his fault because he's a, dirty dog as i said yeah um and then he ends up leaving when carla's husband luigi shows up and then we have guarded la luna there's not a lot to say about this but um it's just like this random intercut sort of lullaby sequence with like when he's there with her after her suicide attempt and for me my thing is is i'm like this feels very random i feel like it should have been closer to the be italian sequence because it's like they have this whole thing with him getting, you know, getting disciplined by his mom. And then it's yes. like, we don't talk about how that emotionally affected him further. We don't. There's no examination. It's just, okay, that happened. No. no. It's just, okay, you we're done. Goodbye. And then it's the like, oh, trauma. here we are walking together. Yeah. I love you, my son. Look at the moon. The moon looks great. It's beautiful. You know, it's black and white. And that's kind of like it. And it was like. They literally, like like I said, it literally just is like, oh, we need a new song to showcase Sophia Loren, so here it is. And they're like, we're just going to plop it down here. Yeah. Like, it's supposed to be a sequence of self-soothing, I guess, or like reminiscing on happier times or something, but it's like, it didn't really work for me at all. Agree. And then, of course, after this, we have Luis and the film crew leaving um, for Rome after all of this to begin filming. And then Claudia shows up played by Nicole Kidman and she and Guido go for a drive after screen testing. And this is where he confesses. Yes, there is no script, um, but I need you to inspire one, which wow, really? You're a writer. Do it your damn self. Like get the fuck out of here. Mm-mm. I truly She's can't. so done. <laughs> Expects this woman to magically. And first of all, if you don't have an idea to begin with, I don't think looking at a woman who's very pretty one time is going to inspire an entire fucking script, dude. No. Not to mention, he's been imagining this whole scenario in his right. mind this entire time. I'm like, why not just use those? Right? Which he does kind of allude to, but. Right. But like. Yeah. Like. Yeah. This, at this point, he's not even like thinking like, that. I'm like, bro, <laughs> get it together. You're really. It's like truly absurd. Um, and like they end up discussing about like what the movie should be about. And she's like resisting him because he's like, well, the movie would be about a bunch of women, you know, throughout Italy's history or whatever, the women that make Italy, something like that. It's tied it's, into Italy. That's all you need to know. It's about and Italia, baby. It's 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 nine. It's the movie nine, that's what it is. Yeah. And the idea is that like it's like little women. It's like, and the book was what you just read. Wink, wink. <laughs> you just read it. Yeah, you just, just watched, watched. Yeah. Exactly. 
wink, wink. <laughs> and like the idea is that like they all fall in love with the same man. You know, it's the movie we're watching. Blah blah blah. And she says to him, she's like, I'd rather be the man. And I'm like, you know what? Fair point. Exactly. Because this movie fully showcases the problem with this story to begin with is that the women are not characters. And then the men, a.k.a. the only man in this movie, is like the character, right? Nobody else even gets as much development except for maybe Marion Cotillard. It's like, that's truly it. We know nothing else about everybody else. Yeah, exactly. And she, and she fully is like, I don't want to be your muse anymore she's like stuck without an internal life. There's no variety to the, to the movies that she's doing with him, whatever. She only exists to inspire him. She's only like this idealized version of herself. Um, and she's like, you don't know how to love properly. Well, she doesn't say directly to him, but she's like, this man in yeah. this story does not know how to love properly. Um, he's too selfish. I gotta go. Goodbye. She fully just like dumps him. She's like, I'm going to read the fuck out of you. And then I'm leaving. Have a nice she's life. Enjoy your movie. Anymore. She's like, I'm yeah. out, dude. No. And during the sequence, she does end up singing a song called Unusual Way, which I have no notes over because I remember absolutely nothing about it except for the fountain in the staging. Which yeah. I liked. Laura Benanti is like the queen yeah. of Broadway and she was this role on the yes. um, nah. revival. And I should have cast her in the movie, honestly. That's my note. Yeah, I like... And the thing is, too, is that, like, with when you have Nicole Kidman in this part, it kind of is like, yeah. like oh, that's it. Like, yeah. It's, like, kind of a waste. Yeah, like what you were saying before, like, the character itself, it's like, okay, yeah, it's cool that you're like, we picked a movie star to play a movie star. But also, she, it yeah. doesn't really matter that much. Like, in the grand scheme of things, you could yeah, have not do that much for the Broadway role. person that nobody knew at the time and, like, made more money off your film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. I almost wonder too, and it would be interesting to have someone who isn't a movie star play like this movie star part and that like a lot of people don't know it as well, you know? And I think you can also like, especially someone who's just very pretty, who could sing very well. Yeah. I think it would be a lot easier to just sort of, I think yeah. it would be interesting because it's like with Nicole Kidman, there's always this expectation, this, you know, we all know who she is. We all know her career, but if someone like who was, you know, more of an ingenue played this part, it'd be kind of interesting because it's like, Hmm. She's kind of a blank canvas, yeah. right? It's like, I don't come in with that baggage, that expectation. Of, oh, it's Nicole Kidman. I come in with like, oh, what is the relationship? Oh, I can see why she'd be amused. She's very beautiful. You know, it's like interesting. I almost wonder if that would have worked yeah, better. For yeah. Sure. And then, of course, he doesn't learn his lesson. He's like, hey, my beautiful wife, Louisa, come to um, our screen tests and help me. And she's like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Okay, I love you. It's nice you're including me in things. Um, and then, of course, during the screen test, he conveniently forgot the part where he's flirting with a fucking actress. And it's on this gigantic screen for everybody to watch. He, like, pushes her hair back. He's like, thank you for it looking like this. So and egregious. I, the fucking Hague. It is the Hague has a seat open it's for egregious. you. Ugh, it just, like, hurts. Like you Lock him up and throw away the key. Yeah. When she's like... Thank you for reminding me I'm not special. You're like, oh, what? Like, she, she was so up. right. She was right. She, like, she didn't do anything. You're such an ass for no reason. Yeah. Her. And it's, it's like, this is how it was between them. She was that actress once. She means nothing more to him than any other actress yeah. that exists out there that's pretty. And, like, it's even worse because she's married to him and he constantly, you know, just defies her trust. Yeah. 
He fucking sucks. He's a dirty damn dog. Woof. Yep. Hate him. And she performs Take It All, which is, you know, we briefly yeah. talked about. It's basically just her, you know, stripping and, like, taking off her clothes yeah. and, and singing very angrily. Um, which I, I do like that as a contrast to her it other is, song, which is very I think, like, as far as, like, the additions go, this would make sense in the musical. Like, this yeah, makes way more sense. Yeah. And it's the one that did get nominated yeah. for the Oscar, which I completely understand. It works in the context yeah, of the movie. Yeah, no one's going to nominate Cinema song. Italiano for those lyrics. Which is no. so rude. Not of the them, skinny little honestly. ties. I'm the number one stan of cinema Italiano. It's fine. <laughs> you are. I, and also in general, I do like, um, I do like what it kind of means because it's like you have this weird, beaten down wife versus like this very angry, sort of frustrated, like striptease kind of a moment, and then it's like also it portrays how he's kind of taken and taken from her, but it's also the subversion of like, he's constantly philandering, giving himself to other people. And now she's like, I'm putting myself up for consumption and for these other men to ogle at. Yeah. So how do you like me now, bitch? Like, that's like the purpose of that scene. And it works well. Marion Cotillard sells the fuck out of it. She looks great. She looks hot. Like it's an enjoyable moment. It's also one of the more memorable ones for me. I would put this um, under the call from yeah. the bat again. And be Italian to be, I think, in the top yeah. three of like moments that I remember for sure. And oh, and cinema Italian yeah. is also those that are the, would top be the top four. four. Everything else I barely yeah. remember. Um, and then of course Luisa leaves Guido, and he ends up canceling the film shoot um, because he's been abandoned by every single person he's ever exploited. Everyone um, said, Fuck and you, he then sings. And then he tells them, I can't make this movie. And he starts singing. And this song is better, I will say, for Dan. This song is better. I think I think the emotion of the scene, like he's yeah, at, he's yeah. able to act more with it. So that so the, the accent kind of becomes right. And as far writing. as like songs. Yeah. As far as like songs that like Guido sings in the show, like this is obviously you can't cut this one. Mm. And I think that like mm-hmm. they realized that and they made it as acty as possible to compensate. Yes. Yeah. It helps that it's more straightforward performance based rather than just like, oh, there's a vocal showcase, right? Um, and I do like the look of the scene. I like that they have the projector, you know, um, or the projected images behind him on a sheet yeah. that then like gets ripped down dramatically. Um, and he's like on a chair and he's on the floor. He's like crawling around. He's like very emotional, whatever. Um, and it works and it's fine. Um, then we have like five minutes of him just wandering around and moping, yeah, he's a sad boy. Um, which apparently was like, like two years time. He's going and to then the it's countryside. Like he's going to the seaside. Yeah. He's on an eat, pray, love. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, okay, and then Luisa's doing a play. She's got a boyfriend. She's you know, doing great. She had a glow up. She's Yeah, she's having a great time. She's found someone who values her, and she's getting work again. Good for her. Um, girl boss, we yeah. stan. <laughs> and, um, you know, women really can have it all. And he meets up with Lily. They're talking, and he's like – and she's like, first of all, she's like, I'm not going to snitch on her. I'm not telling you if she has a boyfriend or not. That's your thing to deal with. Good luck with that. Um, he realizes he's fucked everything up, of course. Um, and he says that he's basically spent his time trying to learn and trying not to be the person that forgets about everybody else 
Um, and his movies weren't the problem, but he was. And I'm like, oh, you, it took you that long to realize that? It took you two years of wandering the countryside Why to realize men? this, my dude. Why? Like, come on. Go to therapy. Please. Go to therapy right now. Please. Log into BetterHelp. I know they didn't have that in 1965. Then log into BetterHelp right now. Ask Kate Hudson to help you. She's clearly a time traveler. <laughs> she brought her MacBook Pro. <laughs> yeah and she asks him will you ever make a movie again and he answers that the only thing he could think to make a movie about would be a man trying to win back his wife um and then we see him trying you know like on a set directing a man and a woman who look like they could be a young luisa and guido um making that very film and then we get like the finale scene, which is basically like a mirror image which of the first great. scene, but it's like everybody's behind him it's on beautiful. the stairs. Everybody gets a little curtain call yeah. moment. I love it. It feels very theatrical, but also yes. works very well in a like yeah. screen. Yeah. And it, 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 um, and this is one of the few sequences too that leans into the which cheese. They could have used a little more. Of. I think yeah. of it all. They could have used like the beginning feels too self serious. This feels cheesier. Cinema Italiano is cheesier. Yeah, I think that like and then like this could have been like if if more sequences felt like this, I think it would work better overall. Yes, I agree. And then of course, like the final shot is everybody behind him. He's getting ready to direct the scene. The kids hop. The kid hops into his lap, rises up in the chair, and he says, "Action!" That's the end of the movie. And then we get. Um, my favorite trope, which is the black and white um, credit sequence of people rehearsing while Cinema Italiano plays over it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fun. And that's the entire book. It's great. It's also, should be noted, they don't bother putting a, an original song over the credits no. um, or said, a new, I mean, a different one. It's still Italiano. Just Cinema Italiano. Italiano. Again. And be Italian. They're like, we know Italian you want to hear this again. They didn't try to like. Let's not yeah. cut ourselves. They're like, they didn't. They didn't even. It's like they cut eighteen songs. They could have easily pulled no. from one of those songs mm-hmm. just to do like as a no. little bonus to put over the credits. But no, they're like, we're gonna do some Italiano, be Italian. Don't ask any more of us. Thank you. They're like, like nobody knows this musical. Nobody knows what's missing, honestly. So yeah. why would we put that oh, little like yeah. tidbit in there for you? Like you, you don't know it. Just. Here's, right, like this was a movie for the theater. Fun songs again. Enjoy them. Yeah. If they would have tried harder to market to the theater kids, this movie would have made if more than five If they would have tried harder to market to the theater guy. kids, I would have watched it while I was in college majoring in theater when it was in theaters. But here we are. Exactly. <laughs> they really exactly. fucked it up. I think it's going to have a renaissance. I'm going to try and make it happen. Any exactly. final thoughts on nine? Be Italian. No. Be Italian. Be Italian. Cook it a pasta. Cook it a pizza. Cook it a Mamma mia. That's a spicy meatball. Mamma mia, baby. That's a spicy meatball. For my wife. Okay. For what the plot this week, Emily is going to guess the plot of Peter Bogdanovich's 1971's The Last Picture Show. Peter, Peter Boggy D, D, as we like to call him. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what, what I call him, Peter Boggy. <laughs> Peter Boggy, you know. Peter Boggy D, yeah. What if it was the last picture show? What would that be like? Um, you'll find out. Make sure you're <laughs> 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 Oh, 
I like that you presented that like you were Roger Ebert. It's about the death of the arc light, actually. Oh. <laughs> Too the death soon. Of American cinema. Um, but actually, this is about um, this is about a local, very well-known indie theater, and um, it's they're they're gonna shut down because of lack of funding. And it's in this, it's in this like small, like nice suburban community and the, the people really rally together um, to save the cinema. And otherwise it's going to be the last picture show. So, so the people are coming together, um, you know, they're, they're raising money. They're, they're trying to, they're trying to keep their theater open. And um, I understand that Sybil Shepherd is in this. Is that correct? Because you did accidentally say that little moment. But yeah. she actually plays a famous movie star who catches wind of what's happening in this community. And she's so touched by them that she comes and, like, she saves the theater from being shut down. Is this the prom? <laughs> oh, actually... <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I was like, this is a good idea. I should make this movie. <laughs> so this is actually what the prom was based on. <laughs> the last picture. So yeah, that's what it's about. But um it has Working a devastating plot twist because they do not raise enough funds and the theater closes and it was indeed the last picture show. Oh, wow, that's um, that's what I got. That's the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, interesting. I will read you the plot summary from Letterboxd. So, entering Texas, nineteen fifty-one. Nothing much has changed. High school seniors and best friends Sunny and Dwayne live in a dying Texas town. The handsome Dwayne is dating local beauty JC, while Sunny is having an affair with the coach's wife Ruth. As graduation nears, both boys contemplate their futures while Dwayne eyes the army and Sonny takes over a local business. Each boy struggles to figure out if he can escape this dead-end town and build a better life somewhere else. Also starring Jeff Bridges. Yes, like a young Jeff Bridges. Um, Emily, would you like, I doubt it, but do you want to plug your social media or do you want to plug it? <laughs> oh, I deleted all the apps few weeks ago so if you there's no way for you to contact me (laughs) i live off the grid let's keep going um if you see me somewhere no you didn't (laughs) you see me online no you didn't (laughs) do not perceive me see me please do not perceive yeah i'm really i'm not in a season of wanting to be perceived perhaps if i come on this podcast again you know that'll be a different season of my life but right now i'm I'm good um, as far as our social media goes, you can find us on Twitter at BlessedPick and on Instagram at Blessed.Picture. Um, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Please rate and review us on there. That helps us out. Um, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Overcast, all the good places. Recommend us to your friends and family who want to be Italian. Maybe they can learn something. Hey. <laughs> That's all I yeah. got. Yeah, that's 
that's the show. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Um, we are leaving you with this reminder to um, live, laugh, love, but most of all, be Italian. <laughs>